Good morning, church. I think it's in Luke 19 or so. Where it says, if they remain silent, the rocks will cry out. Are y'all going to let some bird cry out for you this morning or what? Can we give God a little bit of praise? That's just another amen corner we got this morning. So we're not going to let him be alone. Thank God for his eye is on the sparrow. Troy, I thought you were about to break out in song. I was ready. I was ready for it. God is good. Thank you for your giving. This is the day that the Lord has made, and we do, in fact, rejoice, and we are glad in it. And we don't rejoice because we feel all right all the time. In fact, this week may have made us feel not so all right. We rejoice because he still sits on the throne, and he made this day and allowed us to see it. Therefore, there's purpose to be fulfilled. And so, like the psalmist also says in 122, we're glad. When it was said, let us go into the house of the Lord, because it's in his house, there's fullness, Psalm Psalm 16 and 11, there's fullness of joy. And like the psalmist today, sticking with the theme of whether or not we feel like it, there's a declaration that all of us can have in our souls, regardless of what we wake up with in the morning. He says in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at at all times, his praise will continually be in my mouth. On the mountaintop, in the valley, God is still good. And also in the Psalm 73, his nearness to us in those spaces that may not feel so great is our good. And so it is the day that he's made and we rejoice in him and we're glad to be here. Thank you for being here. My name is Paul. It's a privilege to serve as pastor of this congregation and it's great to see all of you. Great to have all of you uh, live streaming. Great to have you. We need to give him a name. What should we name him? Birdie. Birdie. Good, it's great to have you, Birdie, with us this morning. And uh, we're just thankful for life, health, and strength, and for community. Um, I do pray that you'll find community here at Victory or wherever you are if you're visiting, that you have community where you worship regularly. And our Victory groups are a way here, a uh, pretty key way that we find ourselves pursuing the vision with God's help to see people reconcile to God and to each other. As we were saying last night with all of the leaders, there's kind of no way around time being spent with those like us, not like us, to really see reconciliation happen. Um, And so I pray that you'll find some group along with Princess Cake that suits you well. Thank you to every volunteer who's here, which is a thank you to most of you. Um, and to all of those who lead Victory Groups. groups, And thank you also for joining us, if you did, in the fast this past week. How many were blessed through that time? Anybody? Yeah. And now we get the privilege of leading a fast life, consecrated unto him, set apart, set aside. I pray that that moment this week wasn't just a moment, but something that continues and that we can encounter God more and more every day. Um, I was told in a note, um, you might have even seen on social media, that that booklet that we have, the Amazing Grace booklet, was translated into 12 different languages and over 83 nations participated in the fast this year. We are better together, aren't we? Internationally, certainly locally, um, it's something to walk with. And I pray today that you, if you already are, or if you're not already connected to, that you'll find yourself walking with rather than alone. We're going to look at the book of Titus today and uh, looking at chapter three. If you were following along in the amazing grace fast prayer and consecration this week, I think this was the second day 
this particular text. So it'll be familiar to you, and we'll just take another look at it, unpack it maybe a little further, and, and hopefully have it uh, applied to you and to me in the places it needs to for our betterment. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7, we'll read from the NIV. But before we do, let's pray that God will open up our eyes as we read. Lord, thank you so much for this word. That is your word. That is God-breathed, we believe. Useful for teaching, correction, rebuking, training up in righteousness. Hebrews 4 says it this way. It is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, you as the master surgeon can cut us in a way that brings healing, unlike the butcher's tool that could bring hurt. God, cut us this morning in a way that brings healing and wholeness where we need it, restoration where needed. God, help us to be comforted this morning, to be sustained, to be reminded, to be refreshed, to be encountered by you through the word of God. And we pray as we close, according to Psalm 119 and 18, that says, open up our eyes so that we can see all that is here. Help what we read to drop from just information and head knowledge, about 18 or so inches to our heart, to be a lived reality in our lives such that we can be different and not just feel differently. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Titus chapter 3, we'll look at verses 3 through 7, and if you don't mind reading with me, we'll read from the NIV. Verse 3, at one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Amen. The title of the sermon this morning is Augmented Reality augmented reality. Look to one neighbor left or right and just say, we are justified to become more. <laughs> augmented reality, AR as it were, is sort of a thing. Uh, we got to experience this thing with our kids this past Thanksgiving when we took our children, my wife Taylor and I, our children to Columbus, Ohio. Usually when I say that, people, they say, on purpose, you drove that far? I'm like, <laughs> yes, we Packed them up in the van, not the Columbus, Ohio part, the traveling with kids under, <laughs> uh, under eight, nine now. Uh, but we do because on the other end of that is some family we really love. My bride's family, uh, which is now my family for 14 years and counting. They get to see their grandma, they call Mimi affectionately, and their grand. Uh, father that they affectionately call Poppy, who is here with us today. Dad, we love you. From Buckeye Nation, can we give him some love? They get to spend time with their cousins, and, and we get to spend time with all of our family there. It's a great time. And so this past Thanksgiving, we took the family there, and while there, Poppy bought everybody tickets to Legoland in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, woo. Because it, it, was, it was like almost adult sort of fun. I thought, oh, the kids, that'll be great. 
And I get there, there are these rides, and there are these different, there's a big playpen that I wanted to get in, but I didn't re- meet the height requirement for, but it was <laughs> fun times. And there was a place there in Legoland where we all got to go in and watch this 15 to 20 minute movie. Can't tell you all of what the movie was about, but I can tell you they gave us glasses to put on. And when you put those glasses on, things became 4D. It was an augmented, if you will, reality, right? There's a superimposed image on what was our perspective that allowed us to experience, not like virtual reality where it's totally different, but a, 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 a 4D space within the reality that we live in. And while there, one of our children refused to put on the glasses, right? And so there's this gentle encouragement. Come on, put it on. It's going to be so much better, so much better. Gentle and then not to back off because we're trying to build autonomy, right, as well. So let let them make their own decisions. But there was a gentle encouragement. I'll come back to how that ended in a little while. But the truth is you and I find ourselves, for better or for worse, maybe even trying to augment our own reality. And in that scene, and no different than IMAX theater or anything else, when the glasses come off, the augmented reality ends and we come back to you. But what if there was a story, the events of which allowed us to experience an augmented reality that was constant, consistent, persistent, something that all of us no doubt are in need of, whether or not we know it. And I think this text can tell us a little bit about that augmented reality through the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And whether we find ourselves like our child was on that trip, not wanting to put on the glasses, our prayer this morning is that our hearts are softened a little bit more to put them on the whole armor of God, embracing the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, such that our reality, as he desires for it to be in us, can be augmented. The text this morning, it's a part of a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to who he calls his true son, Titus. And Titus was left in charge at the island of Crete in, uh, uh, of all of the different churches there. And something that struck me, uh, which isn't a main point, but I thought it helpful to me to, 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 to be aware of, and I thought I'd communicate, was back in the first chapter um, when Paul is saying essentially to Titus, you know what, I'm, there's some things that are left undone, they're unfinished, but now they're for you to put in order. And I thought to myself, here's the Apostle Paul, no doubt a, a historical figure in Christianity, pretty influential, is he not? Wrote most of the New Testament, planted a ton of churches. The brother was in the dungeon of a prison, as we learned last night in our leaders' meeting with an incredible devotional by Brother Chris Kidd, in the dungeon of a prison, giving praise to God at midnight. This was a, he was a brother, certainly with fervor for Jesus Christ. And yet he's still saying, there's some things undone that you need to finish. Not the main point, but I thought it important to highlight You and I, as important as the work that it is that we do and how we get to serve, and it is important. It's not about, we can't actually finish that work. So lest we fall prey to my ministry, our ministry, let us remember it's his ministry that he's given us a privilege to steward in this space, this blink we call life. And if I'm not careful... The vision that is now victory churches will die when I'm gone. But how many know it's not mine, it's his. And so my responsibility, like yours, volunteers, is to say, who's next? 
Because it all doesn't begin or end with me. In fact, it didn't begin or end with victory. There were other churches here lifting up Jesus' name before we got here. We came alongside perhaps with a different medium through which God's voice can be heard differently to those who hadn't heard him yet. But we are a blink and we just get to steward the gospel well. Paul, the apostle Paul, spoke to me at least in that first chapter by saying, there's some things undone that I'm going to need you to finish. Who's next? So for all of the volunteers here, with a hearty thank you that we're always giving to you, there's also the mantra of who's next? And who is God calling you to pour into? Because at the end of the day, the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19, and 10, 28, 19, and 20, is why we're here, to make disciples. Amen? Amen. So Paul is calling Titus, who he's left in charge at Crete, and he's providing Titus with some instructions. One, about appointing elders and warnings against false teachers. That's the first chapter. Then instructions on teaching different groups in the church. That's chapter 2. And then chapter 3, where we find our time today, where he is given instructions about Christian living. And in verse 3 of our text, he tells Titus to kind of remind the people how they ought to be living, but he does so by reminding Titus about who he is. As if to say, do not get spiritual amnesia, Titus, as you go to them and give them the instruction that I'm giving to you. Don't forget from whence you came. And he lists a list of human sins here in verse 3. Essentially, by extension, we too are like those, if you will, that might be where we once were, if not for God's grace. But, verse 4 says, when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared... He saved us. So take a look back, Titus, and remember you are not all of that. And also kind of a, a two-part peripheral point. One path is sometimes I think it can be easy for us to get discouraged by the reality that we exist in. The reality of bills, <laughs> the reality of raising children, the reality of school, the reality of loss, the reality of pain, whatever mountain it is that all of us have to climb in this journey we call life. But God is wanting all of us to augment our reality or the perspective of our reality, if you will, by reminding us that he's already saved us from so much more than what is in front of us. I use the example of the disciples in the boat a lot because it's so apropos. When God, Jesus said, we're going to the other side, we're going to the other side. But what happened in the midst? Winds, waves, such that they were like, where are you? Do you care about us? For us, that looks like some of the things that I just outlined, the stresses of relationship and family and, 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 and holidays for some, right? It, depending on what that looks like for you. But yet God is saying, remember, don't ever forget because what I've saved you from, how much greater is that than whatever relational dysfunction you are experiencing right now that you can't seem to find me in? One path. The other path is sometimes you, me, might wonder, Maybe even this past week when you read that text, I see this list of sins and I see he's telling Titus, basically, we once were that. And you find yourself saying, I kind of still feel the same. I kind of feel like I'm still struggling with the same sins that you're saying I once was. What do I do with that? Peripheral, though, related point, because I think it's in that space the enemy can creep in and tell you, kind of like the serpent did with Eve in the garden, 
Are you really saved? Are you really justified? Because if you were, would your marriage really be this jacked up? If you were really saved, if he really came, if he really had the capacity to pull you from that pit, would you still be having those thoughts? Would you still be unable to forgive? Are you really delivered? Why don't you question this whole belief thing to begin with? Is he really there? How is he going to show up in the space you want him to show up in if you can't even see fruit in your own life? That's how through a seed of doubt the enemy will come in and have you second-guessing whether or not justification is, in fact, real. Which is why it's so great that it's not about our feeling at all. We're not justified by that, but rather by grace, his amazing grace, through our participation in faith. Said differently, the pledge of the Christian's conscience is not in our state of consciousness nor feeling. Rather, it's rooted in a past event that impacts all of eternity, namely the Jesus event, if you will. Conversely, if you're sitting here and you're like, I don't struggle with those sins. Heck, I don't struggle with sin at all. I'm good. <laughs> I just came because his brother needs my help. He invited me. If that is you, then the slippery slope is one of arrogance and pride, which we all or many of us know comes before the, comes before the fall. And we've said in weeks past, I think last week we even mentioned that sin is not about the things that we do. It's about the corruption, the, 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 uh, the original sin, if you will, that's been imputed, corrupting our original design specs, if you will, that now persist, which only accentuates for us what is the series for this month, God's amazing grace. But, verse 4, when the kindness and love of our God and our Savior appeared, which doesn't, again, mean that we won't struggle with sin. It just means that we get to overcome through him. When he appears, we're justified to become more. When the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, when he took on human flesh, as we talked about this morning in the baptism, emptying himself of divinity, walking in life sinless as he intended for us to do and be, dying a death we should have died, nailing all of our sins, past, present, and future to the cross, then being raised again, when the kindness and love of our God and our Savior appeared, he saved us, forever making available to us the augmented reality that we all so desperately seek. And one that we don't have to come out of. Like Legoland, the glasses came off. And it's when we trust in this event that it really alters our state of affairs. It differentiates our past from our future and not because of anything that we've ever done or can do. We can't augment our own reality. Well, how many know that's something we try to do? I won't pick on the coffee drinkers this morning, though I guess by my saying that I may be picking on the coffee drinkers this morning, but I live with one, so this is all in fun. I just like to say, if I'm tired, I want to know, and I'm going to go to sleep. No. Drink coffee. I mean... <laughs> It's all good. So I'll leave that alone. I will maybe say this past week I wanted some coffee because I was in Texas, Austin, Texas, at one of my favorite conferences, the Black Student Athlete Summit. Um, and we were there, and it's, it's everybody's augmenting reality. Like, we act like we can stay up from 8 in the morning till 10 at night, which is every day of a conference. And I'm like, I can't go home drained. So I got to figure this thing out. <laughs> and I don't drink coffee. So in short, to kind of wrap up this 
dig on coffee and get my way out of it somehow, because many of y'all are sitting with coffee now saying, I don't know if I'm coming back to this church. Uh, I was with some younger folks, a doctoral student of mine and a, one of the assistant, graduate assistant football coaches here, and we were there together. And, and they were like, on Thursday morning, when we had a whole long day, 8.30, and then Jamel Hill was speaking that night, and then there was a reception later on that night. Where are you, man? I'm saving you a seat. I said, I'm 40. I'm in the bed, <laughs> thinking about wanting to hear Jamel Hill and the reception afterward, and I won't be able to augment my reality with anything except this sleep that I'm trying to get. So I'll see you at 11 o'clock. And that was my day. Did I get myself out of the coffee bit? Probably not, but I'm going to move on. As I get older, I realize there are some things about me I can't necessarily augment like I used to. But opioid crisis, there's an augmentation of reality. And we can name a number of different things in our culture right here, if we're honest, that we do every day or every week to augment our reality, which if you're here and don't know Jesus Christ yet, what is that saying? Press into that a little bit. The reality that we want to be different in some way, shape, or form. The gospel's already been preached, but it doesn't grieve me to repeat. It's Jesus Christ who can augment that reality in a sustained one that don't have to come off like glasses, but can stick with us for all of eternity. Amen to the word of God. We can't augment our own reality. Work cannot save us. The law was given to us, yes, but as a mirror, a curb, a guide, if you will, doesn't save us. It just identifies those lawbreakers. Text goes on to say, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal by the Holy Spirit. And this phrase is so rich with creation, new creation symbolism. Just as God flooded over the earth, Holy Spirit, and out of which creation came over those chaotic waters, so the work of the Spirit now brings about a new kind of creation in us, bringing us through new creation waters. You and I are saved not by works, but by God's kindness, by his grace, rooted in the past work of Jesus, applied to the human through a work of the Spirit, which renews, literally making new again the human this is the new birth about which we celebrate, which we did this morning with Josh Johnson through the waters of baptism. And if we believe that God really does this, this changes us to the core. We're made right. We're saved. We're washed, given the spirit to be different and not just to feel differently. Verse 6 says, moving on through the text, whom he poured out. And here we see Paul's Trinitarian, if you will, theology show itself. The apostle is showing, kind of moving very seamlessly through the text, work the work of God to save and then the appearing of Jesus through the lavish outpouring of the Spirit. And if you're new, we believe in the working of the Holy Spirit here at Victory Church. Seamlessly, he kind of wraps up the Trinitarian theology to which we ascribe. And God is not being stingy through this text. Recall the words of Jesus in Luke 11. If your own father is good enough to give you gifts, you who are evil, how much more is your father in heaven going to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? 
So then having been justified by his grace, verse 7 begins, meaning whatever is about to follow is dependent on that clause. We don't get to be what becomes next without that justification by his grace. There is no sustained augmented reality, if you will, without his amazing grace. And God, he doesn't just justify us merely to justify us. He justifies us so that we can become more. Scripture talks about, do we go on sinning because grace abounds? What's the next phrase? Huh? God forbid. No. No, we don't. He justifies us to become more. More loving more forgiving, more self-controlled, more joyful, more peaceful. What is Galatians 5? All the fruit of the Spirit. He justifies us, declares us righteous to become more. There's no space to sit on laurels. We said last week, we work from grace out of a place of gratitude. He justified us, declared us righteous when we didn't deserve it so that we can become more. He does all of that, puts us in his will, if you will which may not resonate unless you've been a part of a family or some extended family where you know you may have the last name, but you ain't in the will. Some of y'all know the drama that persists in families, right? And God is different. He's like, you're in the family, you're in the will. You get to be an heir. Other elsewhere, it says co-heirs with Christ. We are to become heirs. And looking at how we are saved or justified then should fill us with hope. Not the kind of hope that's just built, though, on the temporal or the situational, like next week I might go on vacation, so I'm pretty hopeful about that, or next week I think I'm expecting this promotion, or next week I'm going to get in Professor Harris's class. I got hope about that. <laughs> Whatever the case might be, not that, but I'm talking about a hope that's eternal because it's based on an inheritance that never stops. Our hope is anchored in our adoption, which is quite antithetical to what we are very careful not to do here. Might God bless us? Absolutely. Might he give you a raise? Absolutely. Scripture says he gives us the ability to create wealth, does it not? And as he does, we get to steward it well to fund the kingdom of God. But what you won't hear is for our hope here to rest in that. You won't hear that there's some transactional relationship like if you do this, oh my goodness, you are going to reap. Yes, the windows of heaven will open up and he'll pour out blessings that you cannot even receive, but it'll be the blessings he wants for you. And that might just be you waking up the next day, or it might be you getting uh, some more peace in the midst of a chaotic circumstance. But whatever that is, it's from him, so it's good. Our hope is not anchored in that. If it is, we're in trouble. And yes, like the winds and the waves disturb the disciples, we'll get distracted and say, where am I? How are we getting to where you said I'm going? Our hope is anchored in the adoption, the fact that we've been grafted in to the body of no doing of our own. That is good news good news of the gospel. So we can, upon being justified, then desire to become more. We get to inherit the universe forever in relationship with God, signed up, if you will, to receive his inheritance. And so in conclusion, each of us has a choice. As we think about Paul's letter to Titus for the churches in Crete, we extend as we do the word for us. We have the choice of embracing a happy myth whatever that might be for you, to augment our reality, the pursuit of pleasure, money, which again, not a bad thing, the love of it is, a career, huh? a spouse. Uh, I love my spouse, but God is my God. 
whatever that happy myth for you might be. And that takes a little bit of looking in the mirror. And this is why I love groups, because sometimes you can't see everything in the mirror, right? You need somebody in the blind spot to kind of say, huh, right here, dog. (laughs) To look at that and say, what happy myth am I falling prey to? We get a choice to embrace that. Or we can embrace the only story with the power to really change reality. The story of the one who made it to begin with. Amazing grace augments our reality. As such that when we embrace it through faith, we are justified to become more. How many know the Bible says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And as such, our perspective shifts. So for those who've already made a decision for Christ this morning, I would challenge you to look back. Recall from whence he brought you. Go back to just even the separation between he and us. And with that perspective, take a look at today and tomorrow and the rest of your life with hope. Remember that you are an heir by the Holy Spirit. And as such, each of us has reason for hope that never fades. If you've not made a decision for Christ and you're sitting here today or perhaps you're live streaming, self-orchestrated augmentation might be fun as it arrives. But you come down from the high. The glasses come off. And I would ask you, what then? What then? The amazing grace of Christ's mercy is that story. And you this morning are invited to receive it, to believe it, to plug into it, and to be transformed by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the amazing grace that so sharply contrasts with our godlessness. We recognize this morning as we are throughout the month of January that it is not by our works, but it is by your grace, your unmerited favor, and though also your empowering presence that allows us to live in such a way that our reality isn't like those who aren't in relationship with you. Our reality is augmented eternally, a perspective that allows you, our Lord God, to be, to be made recognizable to those in our sphere of influence. And this morning, we'd be remiss if we didn't offer just as a vessel of God offering to you to embrace that very grace. So if you're here and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or maybe in the past you've made a decision for Christ, but now you don't really think your life looks anything like a Christian ought to be in either category, we want to pray with you. So if that's you, raise your hand high so we can do that this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for those in the room who have embraced the grace of God and who I pray are declaring afresh that will become more from the justified space, the justification that you've wrought in our lives. I pray for those watching or those live streaming here or Northern Virginia and elsewhere. That if they do not know Jesus Christ, that today you would soften their hearts to turn toward you 
to embrace you such that they can become more and their reality could be augmented in a way like they've never experienced. I want to pray too for those of us kind of preempting a message that we're going to preach on the 26th of January, but those of us in the room who might be experiencing particular difficulty and what your grace is meant to be for us in the midst of suffering, I want to pray that your grace would be an empowering presence right now. Those of us who see a mountain that seems too high, remind us of who you are and whose we are and that your care for us goes deeper than we can ever imagine. And from that place, God, let us find hope, hope eternal, without beginning or ending, meaning it's not just in the afterlife, the by and by, but that can begin now. The Lord's Prayer said, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we want to, as agents of the gospel, to bring heaven down. So I pray for those of us this morning who might be having a difficult time with that, that we would afresh embrace your grace and find rest and peace. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, we uh, said this morning, as often as we offer the opportunity for you and others live streaming to accept Jesus Christ, as often as we do baptisms, it doesn't get old. I said to Zandy, like, I get chills every time we even offer, even before a hand goes up, because that decision literally is life-changing on earth, eternally. And so I want you to join me in a moment with a bit of audible nature, part of the word that says make a joyful noise and to raise our voices. I want you to do that in a moment, because this morning we had a young man who publicly committed his life to Jesus Christ. Had already done it, but he declared publicly through the waters of baptism that he would live for Jesus. And as much as he probably hates that I'm going to call him on stage now, I gave him a heads up. Can we just give the Lord some praise, but give Josh Johnson some love that he comes up to the stage. pray for Josh briefly and, um, and give him this baptismal certificate. But Lord, we thank you for the work you're already doing in this young man. We know according to your word that there's destiny inside of him. There's purpose there that you are already fulfilling, but there's even more that he has yet to see that we have yet to see. Open all of our eyes to see and cultivate in a way that allows him to see the capacity for changing the world that you've placed inside of him. And that that begins with justification being declared righteous by him. And that in life he doesn't have to strive, but he can rest in you, leaning not on his own understanding, but trusting in you for greater in him, greater in you, greater is you, Lord, in him than he who was in the world. And may that resonate with Josh now and every day moving forward. Thank you for the boldness and courage for him to publicly declare his commitment to you. And we say thank you with hope and excitement about all that's ahead for this young man. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give it up for Josh again? And I think the Bible says in Paul Harris chapter 3. No. Uh, 
princess cake and baptism kind of go together, we think, here at Victory Church. So there's a lot of it. Um, it's in the art room, and I suspect all of us won't fit. So we'll figure out whatever we have to do to adjust. But go get some. Otherwise, I'll have to take it all, and I will, uh, home. But we want to celebrate Josh and, and they're probably going to say this too. Sorry if I'm preempting your closeout announcement. Um, the Victory Groups, there are nine of them. Again, they'll do their best to be in there as well. But we also have handouts with their pictures and their information. Find community. Find the folks with whom you can be sharpened and grow every day. There's nothing like growing together. And might I say again, people call to see people reconciled to God and each other. We'll be hard-pressed to find a way that doesn't involve time with people not like us. There's no workshop in the world that's going to do that. Amen? Hope you'll go and find somebody, connect with somebody. And, uh, and we love you. Have a great day. And let's jam out with the worship team. Haven't they been awesome? They've been awesome all year long. Love y'all.